You're listening to The Conservative Conscience. In Washington, politicians are full of half-truths and hot air. The Conservative Conscience is here to help you cut through the rhetoric and noise and explore the politically right way to think about the issues. You'll dive into one of the most insightful conservative minds in America. Conservative Review Senior Editor Daniel Horowitz. And along with co-host Joe Koss, they break down the major issues in Washington. You are now entering The Conservative Conscience. And welcome back to another episode of The Conservative Conscience where there is indeed no half-truths or half-lies or hot air. It is the full unvarnished truth, albeit with a lot of coughing today. I am thoroughly sick from driving myself crazy over the last couple weeks, working overtime, and the kids and my wife, uh, they've gotten the bubonic plague, so I finally succumbed to it. So I apologize ahead of time if I sound kind of funny, sniffling, coughing, taking water breaks. Whatever, Um, my throat's killing me, but I have a lot to say today. As you guys could well see from my Twitter feed, follow me at RM Conservative, my articles, um, I do need to take a break today, but I did want to get this out. I wanted to put together everything we've discussed about Obamacare, about foreign policy, several other things going on the failure of the first 100 days so far to accomplish almost anything conservative and the agony of a conservative soul trapped in a Republican body. What it means to be us, what it means to harbor the truth, to believe in the right things and have the ability and desire to articulate them properly. And yet be so far away from having the power to implement them. But that's that, that's one level. Not even so bad. Daniel, what do you mean not even so bad? How is it not even so bad? Well, there's one thing if everyone knows prima facie conservatives didn't get in. You know, conservatives aren't in power. And we could stand on the veracity of our views. And we don't have to own the bad stuff going on. But what if... What is going on, what's being implemented, what's being messaged in the media and to the public is viewed as conservatism, but it's really the antithesis of conservatism, and we get blamed rhetorically and policy-wise for all the outcomes. That is what's going on right now. That is what it means to be a conservative trapped into the body of of the Republican Party. And like I said, it's not just Trump. You know, I've been relentless, relentlessly consistent. We're on episode 98 here. Um, I believe Trump's pretty much been around since our first episode. He's been on the scene. And um, I, I've been consistent. I said he's not the problem. The problem predated him. The problem is the GOP establishment. He's just not the, really the solution. Might be one or two good things maybe we could hope to get out of him. Um, but he's a progressive on a lot of things. Other things, he has no clue about the policy, the process, and he'll just get taken in by the GOP establishment. He'll get taken in by the deep state. He'll get taken in by the Obama holdovers. His own people will appoint Obama people, and we're going to get into that (coughs) hopefully a little later. So it's Trump just built on top of everything, but he's viewed as a right winger. He is viewed as, oh my gosh, everything. He is viewed as, man, this guy is... uh, is, um, He's just the epitome of a right-winger. You have all this protest, all the media stuff. 
But all to do about what? About what? What are we pushing? What are we promoting? What do we stand for? Nowhere is this more evident. Nowhere is it more painful to be a conservative trapped in the the tainted body of the fake Republican Party. Nowhere at all is it more evident than with Obamacare. I don't know what to say. We are incurring all the liabilities of perceived repeal of Obamacare, but getting none of the benefits of it. (laughs) I've never seen something so counterintuitive. Republicans are opposing, as we've gone through the details of the plan over the last two podcasts, not repealing Obamacare at all before 2020, and, and very minor tweaks after 2020, which we'll never make it to, but repealing the funding mechanism, the individual mandate, and the taxes, and it makes it even more insolvent. So CBO issues a score, and all our guys are like, CBO lies. Really? We're going to pick a fight with CBO in order to defend something liberal? You're right. CBO is wrong. But what direction are they often wrong? They're wrong in the direction of the fact that they lowball the harmful um, price increase of the insurance regulations. And therefore, the two are connected. Once you lowball the harm, therefore, you lowball the cost of the entitlement, the subsidies, because you need to subsidize more people. That's where they've been wrong. That applies doubly to Ryan Care. It's the same deal. <laughs> Meaning, the difference between CBO being wrong or right would only make a difference in contrast to our plan of full repeal. But in contrast to the Republican plan, it's the same problem. It it leaves Obamacare. You you don't need CBO to tell me. It has nothing to do, oh, Daniel, CBO is lying. Forget about CBO. CBO said everything I said long before they came out with their plan. You know, um, if you keep Obamacare regulations in place, you keep the market distortions, you keep the exchanges, but you take away the individual mandate, it's more insolvent. You have adverse selection. Everyone knows that. So not so. this is what it's like to be in the trap body of the Republican Party. They can't stand for free markets because they don't believe in free markets. So for years, they said, Daniel, we can't do what you want to do because what about pre-existing conditions? What about, what about the people? We're going to have all these stories and headlines of throwing people off and everything. And here we are. We have their bill, precisely because they didn't want to do full repeal. And you have the worst headline from CBO, from the media, that you could ever get. 24 million fewer people covered. So they per- they pursued coverage numbers their entire last five years when they were plotting this out. And that's the thing. This is five years old. It's not. It, it wasn't born recently. Nothing is new to us. They pursued coverage numbers at the expense of lowering costs and free markets and healing the market and creating more competition. And everything builds on that. That's the fulcrum. Then any degree of subsidization you want to do will be cheaper and less market distorting and more feasible. So you get nothing. You get the worst coverage numbers. You get the headline that... Premiums will increase 15 to 20% more than the Obamacare baseline, meaning Obamacare is going to become insolvent, already basically is. That you know, premiums will go up probably another hundred percent. And then on top of that, an extra 15, 20% by getting rid of, rid of the individual mandate. 
and we will own all of it. The public will will get the message that Obamacare was repealed. Oh, this is what Obamacare repeal looks like. Everyone, you know, less coverage but higher prices. Markets not healed. That's what we're trapped into. We wouldn't have any of these problems with CBO because they've already hinted to in the past that if you bring down prices by getting rid of the regs, you actually cover more people. Not that the coverage numbers mean anything. And of course, you know, the whole CBO bean counting on coverage numbers is meaningless. I agree to that. But it doesn't take away the fact that what they're saying about Ryan Care is true. And and these guys are lying about, oh, well, it uh it adds it it, it um lowers the deficit after 2020 and it, and it lowers prices by 10% relative to the Obamacare baseline. We'll be dead by 2020 politically. The market will be dead. It's already unsustainable. 30% of the entire country is pretty much just covered by Blue Cross Blue Shield. 70% of the counties have uh, two or fewer insurers, and, and there are some counties that no longer have any insurers. You wait a year or two, it's all gone. This whole thing's gone. And again, so you well, Daniel, you have to do something. Exactly. Repeal Obamacare. Their plan doesn't repeal. I mean, even according to their own logic, it's only after 2020. Before 2020, it just is a more insolvent version. It just repeals the individual mandate. That's it. I mean, no one could dispute that. We're going to get blamed for that. And we're going to get single payer, either a massive bailout on par with TARP, like a TARP equivalent of the insurance bailout, or we're going to get single payer. That is the only outcome. You won't last until then. And for years, we made fun out of Democrats when they gamed out CBO, when they would have a 10-year budget window, and the front-loaded years, the first few years, have all the costs. And then in the out years, you promise you know, notional reforms. Mike Pence said this during Medicare Part D debate. He said, really? Guaranteed immediate costs in return for promises of reform? Are you kidding me? We're never going to make it to that. And he was right. Somehow he forgot himself. But anyway, we're looking like a bunch of buffoons. We're looking like a bunch of flat earth. And when I say we, it's not really we. <clears throat> but we look like a bunch of flat earthers here. We're fighting over nothing. Over absolutely nothing. I mean, I... Mean, I I, I I don't know. Why don't we stand for the veracity of our views and then we could fight CBO and the media? But what's the point in the media? Everything's fake news, fake CBO. Everyone's fake. So, okay. So the Democrats are 100% Sodom and Gomorrah. We'll do 99% Sodom and Gomorrah, have a fake fight over the, the remaining one thing. And that's the whole media narrative. And people who don't follow us, unfortunately, don't realize this because the media presents this as some big fight. And Trump, especially now with Trump as the leader, it's like all the way far to the right. And then, you know, the media inevitably puts out stuff on GOP plans. Not all of it is fake news. Not all of it is wrong. Because a lot of it is liberal. So what they're saying is right. What CBO is saying that Ryan Care um, is bad and it increases prices and has lower coverage numbers Again, the lower coverage numbers is two different types of lower coverage numbers. There's lower coverage numbers because you're not coercing people to buy, but you're lowering prices and healing a market. You don't have single payer. Yeah, you can never beat coverage numbers of single payer. 
I mean, 100% of people in Great Britain are covered, but people are dying in gurneys. Their women can't even make it into hospitals to give birth. Um, yeah, that's meaningless relative to our plan. But the GOP plan, which does not increase prices and it keeps Obamacare, so then all you have to worry about is coverage numbers and, and you're way in the hole. You have nothing to show for it. All this news stories, th- th- this is only a problem because it's liberal. It doesn't hurt our cause of repeal. It hurts the cause of Obamacare. CBO's score of Ryan Care is bad because Ryan Care is Obamacare. It's that simple. You know, and I've got news for you, by the way. You know, a lot of people are saying, well, at least we've accomplished one thing. Some of these good executive orders on restructuring the bureaucracy and the personnel, personnel cuts. I got news for you. Personnel cuts in the abstract will never happen. They're meaningless because it's the statutory policies that drive the need for it. Are you shrinking government or not? If you're going to keep Obamacare plus a new entitlement, which this will have, it will result in everything we have now plus the new stuff because there's no way they can get rid of it because they're not bringing down prices, plus Ivanka Care, plus a trillion-dollar stimulus, these cuts to personnel will, will never happen. So we have nothing to show for what we're doing for this all this talk. I mean, Trump, a new era, all the liabilities we're taking, all the clown show, for what? A GOP president with a GOP Congress? This is the first time ever you didn't accomplish anything the first 100 days. And instead, we actually have to prevent them from tossing an interception. We have to actually block bad stuff. I have 20 free market health care ideas, 20 free uh, national security immigration ideas, nothing. Now, to Trump's credit, the one thing he did try to do was the immigration executive order. That's where the GOP establishment comes in. They don't back him against the courts. But some of that is Trump's fault. As I noted in my piece today... Why is it that Trump is working against conservatives on Obamacare when they are upholding his campaign promise, keeping the promise? He's he's criticizing Rand Paul on Twitter, yet he won't criticize Jeff Flake, Lisa Murkowski, Susan Collins, Ben Sass, all these people that dumped on him on immigration when he criticized the judge. Why aren't you working with Mark Meadows and and? Brad and Brand and the Freedom Caucus, all these guys, to go and drive a wedge against the establishment on immigration, to demand that in the April, there's an, a budget bill in April. I'm going to talk about this as we get closer to it. The way to deal with a lot of this stuff, the way to accomplish a lot of things is through the budget process. A lot of policies. He should be defunding refugee resettlement and, and visas from those six countries so the court's injunction will be meaningless because the courts will come after 2.0. I have an article on that. They're already doing it. I'll put it in the show notes if you haven't seen it by now. <clears throat> but no. See, conservatives are expendables. It's a lot easier to go after conservatives. I mean, that, that's a real beta male there. I'm sorry. Where you're going to go after conservatives when they thwart your liberal agenda, but you don't go after the moderates when they thwart the things you're doing that's conservative and good. That tells me that you're scared of the media because you know that you could say whatever you want about conservatives and you'll, you'll be able to get away with it. But if you go after Lisa Murkowski, oh my gosh, oh boy, you're going you're gonna to be in big trouble. And by the way, I'll just tell you guys this, and this is the advantage. This is why you got to tune into this because uh, you're going to hear some things that I don't put into writing sometimes. I can confirm for you that this story about Trump threatening primary challenges, it is true. 
You know, uh, there's a growing problem. So again, there's one thing if you are conservative and you have conservative personnel and you hire conservative people in your administration and you're doing righteous things and the media hits you on your conservative policies, you could say that's fake news. But when you're doing liberal things and the media just reports that you're doing liberal things, if our base is going to say, I don't believe it, it's fake news. I mean, you could be Baghdad Bob and bury your head in the sand, but if it's demonstrably true that they're hiring liberal people and doing liberal things, they're doing liberal things. And you better address that. You better have a course correction rather than, uh, you know, denying it. So I didn't, you know, jump on it when I saw the first uh, media reports that Trump, you know, threatened members. But I spoke to one firsthand and he was absolutely threatened. Um, Here's what he told me. I'm just... Passing this along. This guy is unassailable. This guy is a a, a patriot. Um, basically said he was abusive. He was rude. He wouldn't listen. He's clueless on the facts, on the details, on policy process, nothing. And he said, hey, I know a rich guy in your district um, who could go up against you. Oh, and by the way, you know what else he said? So what's the second and third phase you hear talking about? So, you know, we were laughing at it <laughs> because if you're going to tell me that but that the parliamentarian is going to prevent you from getting around the filibuster on the first round, which is not true, but the GOP subscribes to it. Trump and Ryan are saying that. How the hell are you going to do a second or third round? You have the same problem. Garbage in, garbage out. But let's just put that on the shelf. You know his plan? He told this member, Porculus, he's going to buy off Democrats with Porculus. So we're going to buy them off to promote Obamacare, keep Obamacare, enshrine Obamacare on the promise of giving them a trillion dollar stimulus. Make Obama great again. Stimulus and Obamacare. Have things changed since 2009? You know, (coughs) the verse in Exodus, um, I believe it's chapter 32, um, Verses uh, 17, 18, when Moses came down from the mountain and he, he heard that they served the, the golden calf. So uh, Joshua was waiting there for him and he said, Moses, my master, there's a voice of battle in the camp. And Moses turned to him and said something very profound. It's neither a voice shouting victory nor a voice shouting defeat. It's a voice shouting, I hear. That describes our body politics, this binary choice that Paul Ryan and all these guys make for us. There's no victory or there's no two sides. It's just shouting. It's just noise. We shout and argue over what? At least let's stand for a bold contrast and shout and argue over it. But we agree to their premise. We agree to their talking points. And then we get hit on it and we fight over it. What's the point? What is the point of this? When you strive for nothing greater than the lesser of two evils, you get nothing but evil. So, you know, anything that happens, well, Daniel Hillary would have been worse. Actually, you know what's funny? I'm going to trend, I'm going to use this as an opportunity to transition to foreign policy. Um and there's some areas that actually I can't imagine how Hillary would have been any different. So foreign policy is the one area where a president really has a lot of latitude to unilaterally change things. So we already explained, oh, House, Senate, we can't do anything. Republicans stink, the rhinos, the parliamentarian, we can't get anything done. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Foreign policy is where you can make your mark. 
One of the things I was hoping is that Trump, unlike previous Republican and Democrat presidents, would actually get Islam. He would actually get it. And one of the big things is this whole stupid Middle East peace process, the piss process, as they call it there. The peace process. The stupid Palestinian state, the stupid Oslo Accords. I thought we were done with that. That was the final act of the Obama administration. We all yelled at Kerry, how dare you tell Jews where to live? Guess what? Under Jared, under the State Department dudes, under the Defense Department, we're losing this. He's now telling them where they could live, making the peace process great again. I'm going to have an article coming out on this. Same stuff. You know, our our foreign policy correspondent, um, Jordan Shackdale, he was the first person to point out that Mattis, but who by the way is a liberal Democrat, he he wants to appoint um wanted to appoint Ann Patterson, Obama's Egyptian ambassador, big supporter of um the Palestinians of the Iran deal, want to appoint her as the number three policy person in the Pentagon. Now, luckily, that got scuttled because I, I would imagine Bannon and Miller fought back against that. But what does that tell you where Mattis is? We originally thought we'd have to fight to block the establishment Republicans. We are downright getting Kerry Democrats. Jordan has another piece out. Guess who the Middle East envoy is? The Israeli-Palestinian portfolio in the State Department. It's a guy named um, Michael Ratney. Who's Michael Ratney? So, um, Michael Ratney was an Obama holdover, (coughs) and um, he served as a Jerusalem consul. He oversaw grants to One Voice, a leftist nonprofit that Obama used to try to unseat Netanyahu in the 2015 election in Israel. That's what this guy is. He's a carry guy. Um... I'm just reading here from Jordan's article. As U.S. Consul to Jerusalem, Ratney was in charge of overseeing a controversial Palestinian arms training program that violated a 2011 agreement with the Israeli government, according to the Times of Israel. Ratney's staffers were, in effect, setting up an armed Palestinian militia in the consulate. There you go. Ratney's a holdover from an administration that constantly demonized the state of Israel from top to bottom in the last days in office. John Kerry, Ratney's boss, delivered perhaps the most anti-Israel speech ever from a sitting Secretary of State. This raises serious questions about Rex Tillerson. Hey, guess who raised those questions? Yours truly. I was the only one. You know, everyone bashed me. Oh, oh, how dare you go after him? These guys are a bunch of liberals. By the way, Jordan has another article coming out that the one who's going to be given the portfolio over Iran was Another Kerry person who championed the Iran deal. I, th- this is endless. And I told you, um, some of my immigration allies are telling me there's bad dudes being appointed to DHS. And why is it that there's no deputy? I, I don't think there's a single number two person yet. You know, we complain about the Democrats filibustering and blocking, but Trump hasn't even nominated number two people. Now, some of that is because Tillerson and Mattis are... And, and I think Kelly, to a certain extent, are advocating bad number two people, like liberal Democrat people. So I guess that's one reason why we don't have it. So we complain about the deep state, but he is downright appointing new bad people and not just establishment people, Democrats. You know, at what point do we say this man is a beta? 
oh, he doesn't know. Everyone's sabotaging. Ryan's lying to him. Oh, the deep state. Well, didn't you appoint people that supposedly share our values? Like, you know, it's a state and defense that will flush this out. Oh, well, Daniel, it takes a while to do it. Well, no, the proof's in the pudding because they're appointing new bad people. So it's clearly not a lack of ability. It's a lack of desire. They don't share our values. This is a very big problem. You know, I know I was roundly criticized when I put out an article the night that Trump, the first week or so of the presidency, when he put out a statement criticizing Israel for building so-called settlements. And... You know, everyone was like, well, if you look at the statement, it's more nuanced. It's really the most pro-Israel statement ever. It only says you can't build. And I was like, why put out any statement? I thought we're done with this. Why say you can't go anywhere? And I said, this is headed to a bad place. And guess what? I was proven right. Because now he's not even, now he's saying you can't even build in the settlement blocks. Even in the consensus areas. This is a full-blown effort from Jared in the White House to, you know, the people under Tillerson and Mattis. I mean, mainly Tillerson with this regard, but I I could lie to you and tell you everything's going good, but this is where we are. Just to give you a sense, I'll close by reading an article from the just inimitable Caroline Glick. She's one of the greatest conservative columnists on foreign policy. She, I've read her for 20 years, and she has never been wrong. Um, literally. I mean, her and Andy McCarthy are kind of my top people. Um, this is her latest column. Yet over the past week, Trump has indicated that the PLO is now his focus. Last Friday, Trump spoke on the telephone with Mahmoud Abbas. Abbas is head of the PLO, and the unelected dictator of the corrupt terrorism-sponsoring PLO-controlled Palestinian Authority in Judea and Samaria. According to media reports, Trump told Abbas, whose legal term in office, by the way, ended eight years ago, that he views him as a legitimate leader. Trump, that is, views Abbas as a legitimate leader. According to the official White House report of the conversation, Trump also reportedly told Abbas that he supports reaching a deal between Israel and the Palestinians. Such a deal, to the extent it has ever reached, involves expanding PLO, PLO control over Judea and Samaria and parts of Jerusalem at Israel's expense. Trump also invited Abbas for an official visit to Washington. This guy's a, a terrorist. And the day after they spoke, the Trump administration moved $250 million in U.S. taxpayer dollars to Abbas's police state, where for the f- past 25 years, Abbas and his cronies have enriched themselves while feeding <coughs> a steady diet of anti-Semitic, anti-American jihadist bile to their impoverished subjects. To build up his credibility with the PLO, Trump put his electoral pledge to move the U.S. embassy to Jerusalem on ice. Notice you haven't heard about that recently. The real estate mogul ordered Prime Minister Netanyahu to deny Jews the right to their property and their legal right to use state lands in Judea and Samaria. And swift on the heels of that conversation with Abbas, (coughs) Trump chief negotiator Jason Greenblatt was dispatched to Jerusalem to begin empowering the PLO at Israel's expense. (coughs) According to media reports, Greenblatt intended to use his meeting Monday with Netanyahu was to reject Netanyahu's commitment to build a new Israeli town in Samaria. And by the way, that new town is only being built because Israel ripped out other people from another – they destroyed another settlement. So this was part of the deal. It was a very painful moment for them, and they can't even build that now. Greenblatt was also reportedly intending to dictate the parameters of yet another round of negotiations with the PLO. After meeting with Netanyahu, Greenblatt continued on to Ramallah to embrace Abbas. 
Also during his stay, Greenblatt is scheduled to meet with the IDF generals who are responsible for giving money and providing services to the PLO. And Greenblatt, Greenblatt doesn't have the Palestinians to himself. Following Trump's conversation with Abbas, plans were suddenly afloat for Trump's son-in-law and senior advisor Jared Kushner and Trump's daughter Ivanka, liberal Trump, to visit Israel and spend an afternoon with Abbas in Ramallah. If things developed as reported, then Trump is serious about embracing the PLO and intends to have his top advisors devote themselves to Abbas and his henchmen. If this is the case, then Trump is setting himself, his advisors, his daughter, and the U.S. up to fail and be humiliated. The PLO is the siren that drowns U.S. administrations. It is to the PLO that America's top envoys have eagerly flown, gotten hooked on the attention of the demented anti-Israel press corps, and forgotten their purpose to advance U.S. national interests. If Trump is serious about repeating this practice, then rather than repair the, the massive damage done to the U.S. and the Middle East by his two predecessors, the 45th president will repeat their mistakes. Like them, he will leave office in a blaze of failure. I mean, this is serious stuff. There's a lot of stuff thrown in there, but this is not just one or two reports. This is an entire pattern of embracing the worst elements, full-blown, of the piss process. And this is not just about Israel. Because if you embrace this, that means you don't get Islam. You don't understand the issue. That's foreign policy. Here at home, make socialism great again. Keep Obamacare, Ivanka Care, trillion dollar stimulus. If we don't wake up and understand that we, are, we have our views trapped in the body of a party that is promoting what is antithetical to them, we're going to lose it all. Something's got to be done, and I intend to keep fighting. My throat's about out of power now, but I just want, want you guys to know, as always, we're still advertising for the Freedom Fest, the world's largest and most successful liberty conference, a trade show for liberty. Um, it's the gold standard of all conferences. They're celebrating their 10th anniversary, July 19th to the 22nd at the Paris Resort in Vegas. Um, register today using promo code CRTV100. CRTV100. Get $100 off the regular registration rate. Go to www.freedomfest.com or call 855-850-3733. Hope to see you guys there. And as always, if you are not signing up for CRTV, you have no idea what you're missing. 99 bucks a year, you get to see me and uh, Steve Days just... Laugh or cry together on air, as well as Michelle Malkin, Stephen Crowder, Mark Levin. What an all-star lineup. Thanks so much for listening. God bless. This has been another episode of The Conservative Conscience. Conscience.